This time, we would like to invite the children of this congregation. I believe it's two years old to second grade. Um, but again, Shalene could accept those that are maybe on that cusp. Uh, you're welcome to join her right there uh, with her. You're going to go back and have some time to study the Bible yourself and to sing some songs and to do some crafts. And here, here's your homework. Make sure you remember what Shalene said and tell your parents when church is over, all the fun that you had. All right? You in? Mac, are you in? All right. All right. It's good. Welcome again to the Skillman Church of Christ. So happy that you are here today. As you can tell on uh, your bulletin that we are a group of believers. We are Christians. That's who we are. We are people who are dedicated to following Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, to living out the teachings of Jesus in our everyday life. This year, in Vision 20, for this year, for our vision for 2020, we want to be a group of believers that we live by faith. We want to be those that advocate hope in our neighborhoods, those around us, and we want to be a community that's known by our love. And so right now we're in a series, a sermon series called Vision 2020. I know it's kind of a unique name. I'm sure no other church has that name. I, mean, I think we're the only ones that figured that out. But right now we're uh, in the midst of kind of sharing with you the, the dreams, the exciting plans we have uh, looking forward to Vision 2020. Uh, next week, if you guys are in town, I'd love to have you back because we're going to explore further kind of what it would look like in our community in 2020 to live those three things. So not only to live by faith, but to advocate hope and also to be known by love. We're going to kind of go deep into those three things and how it's going to play out in our community this year in 2020 here in East Dallas. And so if you're in town, we'd love for you to, to join. But if you're not in town, uh, there's also the podcast for you uh, to listen to today. But uh, today uh, we're, we're, we're gathering. The sermon subject is Sundays. So we're kind of looking at this weekly gathering that we do as a church family but we're not the only ones. It seems like almost all Christians, we have a, a tradition. It's, it's part of our DNA, our fabric, is we gather each week as a community to sing together, to, to pray together, to, to worship, to hear, to hear scriptures being read, to, uh, to join and edify one another as we strive to live out the teachings of Jesus. And so, you know, we're also on a kick of, well, why do we do the things that we do? And last week, we talked about the why of kind of this vision of 2020, what we hope to aim for, what we hope is our goal, our, our, uh, what we're looking towards in 2020 is to, as a community, grow in our spiritual walk with Jesus. That is our, our why for this year in the, in the things that we do as a church. We want to connect with God because we know that if we connect with God, then our life is transformed and we begin to see the fruits of the Spirit grow into our life. And that helps us as we maneuver the craziness of life that we live in here and now. But really, if we're to really sum down why we are here, like why are, are we here? And why is there such a thing as Christianity? Why is there such a thing as the faith? It's because a little over 2,000 years ago, something amazing happened. Something in our world happened that changed the course of events for the rest of human history. You see, a little over 2,000 years ago, there was this Jewish rabbi. And this Jewish rabbi lived, and he walked, and he, he preached here on earth, and he ate food, and, and he did what a, human, what a normal human would do. And this Jewish rabbi was crucified on a cross. 
And this Jewish rabbi was put into a tomb, and three days this Jewish rabbi was dead. But the kicker, the curveball in this story, and the reason why we are here, is because after three days, the tomb was empty. This Jewish rabbi rose from the grave. And he appeared to his disciples, he appeared to those that were there. If you read 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about what Jesus did and, and, and who, it was one of the first creeds in the New Testament that he appeared to Cephas and this person, who, many of whom are still alive today. And so this is why we are here. The tomb is empty and Jesus, this Jewish rabbi, lived but he also died and he taught his disciples. And we can begin reading in the book of Acts, Acts in the New Testament. Acts is the story of the church. How did the church come to be? How did th this group of believers who have the Spirit of God, how did we begin to assemble? How did we form? How did we choose how, what we were going to do in our mission in the world? So Acts tells that story. And if you look at Acts, the beginning of Acts is Jesus ascending. And then in Acts chapter 2, it talks about how Peter is, is there, and there's a big festival going on in Jerusalem, and he gives this, this amazing speech there before the people there, and people begin to understand for the first time that the Jesus, the teachings of Jesus were true, and that Jesus did in fact raise from the dead. I mean, these apostles were, were they were they were testifying to this with their very own life that Jesus had risen. And in Acts chapter two, it talks about how there was more and more that began to join this community, this community that declared Jesus as Lord. And so they met in Acts chapter 2. It gives a great picture of, of what they did. They would, they would meet on a daily basis. They would encourage each other. It said that they sold their possessions and they were taking care of their needs. As it, as it went, most of the newest Christians back in that first time, they had a Jewish heritage. And so they began to adopt some of the Jewish tendencies, some of the, the, the traditions that they had adopted. And one of those is the Sabbath taking of the Sabbath, and always in the Sabbath in Jewish history, in Jewish tradition, the Sabbath was taken to honor the creation because it said the Lord created the world, but on the seventh day God rested. And so the Jewish people on the seventh day of every week, they would pause and they wouldn't work and they would be reminded that their worth wasn't dependent upon their productivity or their jobs, but their worth was really because they were God's creation. And then also there was a gathering, a holy assembly that they would have at the synagogue. And so the early Christians, they also began to adopt this meeting together once a week. They began to meet on a regular basis and they began to read some of the letters that were written from the apostles. And they began to share these stories. You know, and they always used to meet on the, fir the first day of the week. It starts in scripture that in Acts it says on the first day of the week they would meet. One of the most famous of these is in Acts chapter 20. You guys know when Paul is on his missionary journey, it's Acts chapter 20, and he's there in, uh, let's see, where is he? In, in Troas, I believe. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says that on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. So here we have justification. Number one, we learn right here, right now in the book of Acts, that there was a, a thing in Christianity, early Christianity, where the group would meet once a week. And they were meeting on the first day of the week. And on this first day of the week, there would be a teaching, there would be an edification, they would all share a word. 
And this right here, Paul begins to preach. He preaches a long sermon. This is probably biblical justification for long sermons. That Paul did it. He preached till midnight. It has, oh yeah, don't shake, we're shaking, a lot, of, a lot of head shaking out there. But as the story goes, you guys know what happens, right? He's preaching, and it's midnight, and there's this poor guy named Eutychus, and he's sitting on the windowsill, and he's probably part, his head starts to probably bob back and forth, and he wakes up and wakes up. Well, Paul keeps on preaching, and next thing you know, Eutychus, he falls down on, from the second floor all the way down, and everyone's like, he's dead! And so Paul rushes over there, and he, he embraces Eutychus and says, no, no, Eutychus, he's not dead. He's only asleep. And so, so this is in the Bible. As this, this is, it's midnight. And as the story goes, they take Eutychus back up to the second floor, and they decide to have a midnight snack. Another biblical justification for midnight snacks. <laughs> Paul did it, so you can too. You know, and by the way, uh, the guy's name is Eutychus. Do you guys know how to remember his name? Well, because you'd have cussed too if you fell off a building. <laughs> I like that. I had to do it. Come on now. Come on. You can't, you can't pass that joke up. You'd have cussed too if you fell off a building. Come on now. So good. So good. Where, where's my notes? I need to get back to my notes. But from this time on, Christians began meeting on a weekly basis. They began meeting to share a word, to encourage each other on the first day of the week. There's even letters written in the first a couple centuries by some of the patristic fathers that describe in detail what this church was doing. They would meet in homes and they would share the Lord's Supper together. Each one would have a word to say. They would baptize their people there. They would read scripture, they would worship, and there they would build community. And in that time, this community, they were followers of Jesus. And there was persecution, and so oftentimes they had to meet in secret, in fear for their life. But they would meet, and sometimes in homes or in, in, in spots that were hidden in secret, and it was simple, and it was meaningful, and it was beautiful, and it was the very crux of the, Christian begin, of the beginning of Christian faith, and churches were growing like wildfire because there was such meaning, and it was amazing. Well, something happened in the year 312 A.D. Does anybody know what historical event occurred in the year 312 does anybody know? There's no wrong answer here. It starts with C and ends with Constantine. <laughs> the Roman Emperor, Constantine. See, up until this point, the Christian church was under persecution. They were having to hide. There were people dying for their faith. But in the year 312 A.D., the Roman Emperor, the ruler of all the Roman... The, the, the top guy, he became a Christian. And this changed everything for the Christian faith. It, it changed from the top to the bottom and even affected how we worship on Sundays. Because in the year 321, this, this emperor, early, years early, he declared Christianity the official religion for the Roman Empire. And so Christianity, it couldn't be it was no longer a, a religion for the margins and the outcasts. It became a religion for those, for the entire Roman 
empire. And even those that were really didn't grow up Christian, they adopted that faith because it kind of became the, the party line to be a Christian. And then in the year 321, the Emperor Constantine, he, he did this edict. He, he created this law that made Sundays a day of rest for the entire Roman Empire. So if you were in the Roman Empire, you were able to rest on Sunday for the first time. And it was a law that you couldn't rest. In fact, here is the exact edict that, the Constantine, uh, that uh, Constantine, the Roman Emperor, put on in the year 321. All judges and city people... And the craftsmen shall rest upon the venerable day of the sun, which is Sunday. Count, country people, however, may freely attend to the cultivation of the fields, because it frequently happens that no other days are better adapted for planting the grain in the furrows or the vines and trenches, so that they, the advantage given by heavenly providence may not, for the occasion of a short time, perish. So basically what happened was, is that Constantine said that for all, from now on, Sundays, this is a holiday for all of the Roman Empire. And even to this day, we have Sunday as a day of rest. Most banks are closed on Sundays. Most sto- a lot of stores used to be. Not now a lot of things are open. But for the longest time, Sundays were this day of rest. And what Constantine did is it, it allowed for Christians to take time off of their work and they would gather again. But it also changed the face of Christianity because it became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And so there was church buildings that were erected. There, uh, the priests were, were, had to now wear fancy clothes because there was royalty that was, in, there was pews that began to form. Before they used to meet in homes, but post-Constantine churches with church buildings began to change shape where there was pews and there was, there was more of a rhythm and right because there was really rich, wealthy people that were going to these, these meetings and it changed the very face of Christianity used to be something kind of simple and organic, meeting in homes, and then it became the official religion of the state. It became more formal. What you wore became more important. Some of the pros and and the the formality, it changed and shifted. And so, I mean, it's good to know of how we got to where we are today. In a lot of ways, we're influenced a lot by this decree by Constantine. Some of what we have here, sometimes we think that we do what we do because it's what the Bible says, but really, in a lot of ways, we're heavily influenced by those early years in Christianity where Constantine changed and and adopted it as the official religion of the Roman Empire. So, I do want to talk about Sundays today. And how many teachers are there in the audience? How many teachers we got out here? Teachers, the heroes of the world, in my opinion. I just want to do a plug. Every teacher needs a pay raise. Because they are the heroes. But every teacher knows that when you're teaching a lesson, you need to start with an objective. What is the objective of this lesson? Well, I'm going to go ahead and play my cards outright today. I'm talking about Sunday. I'm talking about our gathering today. But here is my objective. The goal, what I hope for all of us to walk away from as we leave this building. Number one. Oh, it's only one thing. (laughs) The Skillman Church will walk away today with a renewed vigor and conviction that Christianity is not an event that we attend each week, but rather a life-altering, transforming, all-consuming, spirit-filled way of life that leads to joy, purpose, meaning, and eternal life. Semicolon. The Sunday service aids in our spiritual formation. 
That is the goal of this time, what I hope for us to walk away from today, is this particular sentence, to understand that this, this faith that we have, it's not an event that we attend each Sunday, but it is a life-altering, transforming, all-consuming, spirit-filled way of life, and this can serve as a tool. So today, I have four points to talk about this, and finally, one illustration. So four points, four observations, really. And then we'll end with a hypothesis or an analogy that I've thought of that I kind of want to run by you and get your take on. So, So observation number one is this. The church is not a place, but a people. The church is not a place, but a people. If we're going to talk about Sundays, we need to begin at the very beginning of how we use words and the words that we use and the definition of these words. And I think it's very important to begin with the understanding, this is basic for some of us, but it also is good to remember that the church is not a place, but a church is a people. We need to begin by remembering that the church, it's not a what, but it's a who. That, I mean, look at your neighbor right now and say that I, or we, sorry, we are the Skillman Church of Christ. Look at him right now. We are the Skillman Church of Christ. You don't go to church. You can't go to church because you are the church. We are the church. And if we're going to be very, very technical about some of the language that we have in our society today, the question that's often given, where do you go to church? It's not really the right question. I mean, basically, that's like asking what color is 5 p.m. Or what does the color green weigh? It doesn't make sense because Church is not an event. It's not something you go to. First of all, church is a people. We are the church. I mean, the the term that's used in Scripture, ecclesia, this is a term that describes a body of people that are faithful to to, the teachings of Jesus. So, the, the better word to use for this time, going to church, is not the right word because we are the church. The word that we could use in our vocabulary is assembly. Like this is the assembly. This is the gathering of the church on Sunday morning. We are the church and we gather. It's part of our rhythm. We gather together and assemble each Sunday. Observation number two. The Bible says very little about the assembly. All right. The Bible says a lot about the church. The church, the people. The Bible says a lot about how the church should live and walk and breathe and treat people and how we should have the fruits of the Spirit. The Bible says a lot about the church. But I'll be very clear here. The Bible does not say a lot about the assembly. That's this time. This Sunday morning, in the morning, the hour we have here, if you look at the percentage of the Bible, there's very, very little spoken about what happens in the assembly. Again, there's a ton of stuff about the church, which is us. There's a ton of stuff about the life that we live. But there's very, very little that's spoken about the assembly. And if you're looking at the scriptures, basically there's four chapters that really hone in on what we do on the assembly. And a few verses here and there. We have 1 Corinthians chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. And these direct our attention to some ways that we as a, as a group can assemble together in an orderly fashion. But the truth is, it doesn't really say much about what the assembly is. 
Now, if you take that observation, but then you realize, look back on Christian history, and you think about all the amounts of arguing, all the emphasis and the resources and the time spent on this one hour on Sunday morning, there's a little bit of a disproportional effort here. The amount of arguments that happen around, centered upon what can happen during this hour, when really there isn't that much that's spoken about it, about who can do what, who can't do what, what person wear, what they can't wear. I mean, there is so much energy and emphasis and effort placed upon this one hour of this one day of the week. But we need to remember that there's very, in the whole scheme of things in Scripture, this one hour represents a small percentage of what the Bible says. Most of it is about the life that we live. It's how we treat people. It's how we forgive. It's how we love our neighbor, love our enemy. That is what the crux of this time is. So this time that we have on Sundays, we need to be very careful not to make it the climax of our Christian faith. This time that we have on Sundays, we have to be very careful not to make it our faith, not to make it the reason why. We, it's, this is not the purpose. This is and hey, this is an assembly to help us live this life that we live. Christianity is a lifestyle. It's a way of life. That's why the earliest Christians, what were they called? The way. They were called the way because it is a lifestyle. Right before 1 Corinthians 11 where it talks talk about the assembly, there's a key verse in verse 10, verse 31. I'll read it to you. It says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Make sure that everything that you do is about your faith. This is the climax. It's the lifestyle. Christianity is a way of life. It is joining with God and allowing the Spirit to form within us the fruits of the Spirit so that we can live with purpose and meaning and join with God in what He is up to in this world. Observation number three. The Bible says that the assembly is important for our spiritual growth and formation. So, the earlier point was it doesn't say much about the assembly, but it does say that this hour on Sunday is important. It's something that we should participate in. It's something that we should long for in our week. How many of us, I, I bet you know, how many of you know what Hebrews 10.25 says? Yeah, you, sh yeah, you know, yeah, we've heard it before. Hebrews 10.25, you shall not forsake, what, the assembly, because some of you have had the habit of doing so. So basically, this has been a, uh, a verse that's used to get people to come to church. Hey, don't forsake the assembly. You need to be there on Sunday. That pew has your name on it. You don't be out there playing, you come in church. This is how the word, this, this verse has been used in a lot of ways. But let's look at the context behind Hebrews 10, 25. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to turn and use that as our text. Read it, read it, read it as our text. And if, if you don't have your Bible, we have the pew Bibles in front, of, in front of you. And this particular passage is on page 1,873. 1,873 Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 19. So we know what verse 25 says. It says, well, verse 24 and 25, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let's begin earlier on in the passage to get the context of what this is speaking about. 
Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, there it is, the why. We are here because of Jesus Christ, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. This is the why. Verse 20. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. So because of Jesus, a new way has been unveiled. The curtain has been, the veil has been unlifted and a new way of life has been revealed to us because of Jesus. And since we have great priests over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. This sounds to me transformational language. There's something about the faith that is transformative. Spiritual formation. There's something that happens when we connect with God that cleanses us, that we are allowed to, we, we are connecting to the, to the divine enough where we are beginning to shape and be formed into the image of Jesus here on the earth. Number 23, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see, see the day approaching. This is the passage that talks, us, talks to us about the importance of attending the assembly. But why, what is the Bible saying here? That we come here each week as a body of believers, that it's important to do so. But it's, it's not to appease God and check something off a checklist to make God happy. I think some of us think, we've thought historically, that the reason we come to church is because God needs us to be here. That God needs us to come or that God will get his feelings hurt. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not that big a deal. <laughs> you are not that big a deal. I want to be very clear about this. The scriptures are very clear. God does not need you. He doesn't need you. I mean, God, if you read Job 38 and tell me that God needs you. God doesn't need you. God, it's not like if you don't come to church on Sunday that God is pouting in the corner because he has his feelings hurt. The, the, the scriptures say you know, that even if we don't praise God, the rocks will do so. So God's, God is okay. God is taken care of. But I think this passage in Hebrews 10 reminds us that the reason we gather together in community is really, it's not because God needs it, but it's because we need it. We need this time, we need a time once a week where we gather together in community. We need a reminder that there is a God and that we are not it. We need a time each week where we can share our struggles and burdens, where we can toss ideas around with each other. We need a time each week where we gather together and we, we participate in some of the, the rituals and norms that we do, the communion. 
because it connects us. The sacred time connects us with God because we need it. This time, if it's used properly, this can be a very transformative time. And so the scriptures are very clear that this, this is important, but not because we're going to anger God. God's going to be okay. But God puts this in. This is in our scriptures because I think by design, we need it. We need this weekly time to gather together. It's something that can aid in our transformation, our spiritual growth. Observation number four. Regular Sunday morning attendance in America is at an all-time low. It's true. I mean, if you look at all the studies out there, the Pew studies, the Barna studies, the SportsIllustrated.com studies, they're all, they're all saying the same thing, that people are not coming to church anymore. They don't see the value, they don't see the importance in this weekly gathering. They're connecting in other ways because this form hasn't allowed them to connect with God in ways that they thought that they are needing at this time. Uh, you know, there's, there's a statistic that Jake told me about, uh, and if you're looking, if you want the facts, you know, he, he's the one that read this article, so, you know, he can tell you where to find it, but this, uh, I think it was done by the Pew study, and they, they looked at church attendance in, uh, currently in the United States, and the average amount of Sundays per month for the regular church member is 1.7 Sundays a, mo- a, a, a month. So there's four in a, in a month. The average for just a regular member is 1.7 Sundays per month. So that's a little less than half a month that people can come on church on Sunday. Well, this study went further and looked at, well, these are the regular church members, maybe people on the fringe, people that are not really involved. Let's take a look at the most involved people in the church, the people who are serving, the people who are maybe on in leadership. Let's kind of look and see, well, how often are they attending church on Sunday on average? And so they, they did this study, and it came out to 2.25 Sundays per month. So and this is, there's a dozen studies right now, if you Google it, about just the decline in uh, attendance on Sunday. Here in the United States, it's n- in the United States, I don't know if it's ever been as low as it is uh, today. You know, I heard the statistic that Jake said, man, I, it's hard to believe. I said, man, you know, that's, I, I can't even imagine. That's, that's ha- you know, your, your leadership, you're coming half a month, a little over half a month. Well, um, I think that... Uh, I was on this uh, guest ministry email here at Skillman. You know, uh, Cecilia Morgan and Dulcinea are in charge of this guest ministry. The, the friendly people that come greet you guys in the morning. I mean, this is a, this is a top-notch ministry we have at Skillman. Top-notch. And uh, every month on Thursday, they send an email out. Well, are you going to be here on Sunday? Tell us the Sundays you're going to be here the next month, and tell us the Sundays, Sundays you'll be gone. Well, if you're ever on that email list, you can see, man— Church is different in 2020 than it was in 1950, 1960. This is a different world that we live in. I mean, I took some excerpts. I didn't mention any names on this. But these are, these are the top five responses in December. And this, you know, December is a unique month because it's Christmas. But these are, this is people at this church talking about their, where they're going to be here on Sunday. Uh, one person says, um, oh yeah, unavailable December 22nd. Another person, unavailable all of December. Another person, unavailable all of December, except December 15th. Another person, available on the first, uh, unavailable on the 1st, 22nd, and 29th. 
Another person, out, I'm out December 1st and December, and December 8th. Another person, I'm not available at all in December. These are people here that are the most committed, who are dedicated. But here's the deal. This is 2020. I, just, I, think I, I want this to sink in. This is a different world that we live in. In 2020, it's different. That these people aren't sitting at home watching Netflix. Or, you know, they're not out there, you know, just walking in the park. These people are not here because they have somewhere else to be. They have work obligations or they have a family thing here. That in 2020, we need to expect that most people are going to be here twice a month. That's just the way that this is, that, that, that the world is coming to. I think, I was talking to my aunt about it, you know, jobs are so local now. I mean, jobs are so mobile now that you can work from anywhere. And I think what's, what it's done is all churches, you have about, you see half people uh, every Sunday, the other, the other half the next Sunday. I mean, there's a church in Fort Worth I was talking to. He, sa- he says, I, I see one church one Sunday, and I know that the next Sunday it's a whole different church. Just because we are in a different world now where people are traveling, it's easier to go places. We can expect only to see you here at this building and to commune together in the assembly twice out of every four Sundays. But here is where we need to be thinking creatively in our vision 2020. Is number one, if, we, if you're not here on Sunday, uh, we are going to provide opportunities for you to connect during the week. Like we have our podcast on Sunday that we, we put out. We also going to get another podcast on Monday that we're going we're gonna, to uh, put out there so that if you can't be here on Sunday, if you're traveling for work or you're here and there, we still want you to be connected to this body because we believe that being connected will contribute to our spiritual growth. So if you're gone, we ask that you check out our podcast, you connect on the Facebook. That we're going we're to try our hardest to, to meet you where you're at in, in 2020, where we're going to try to connect you online or things during the week so that even if you're gone, which we anticipate you are going to be, because it's 2020, different world, that we're going to meet you where you're at. So be connected, look for those things online, and we're going to share more about it. I'm going to close today, I had those four observations, I'm going to close today with a, uh, an analogy, which I think is an analogy of what the Sunday service could be. All right, and I want to tell you this. It's not perfect, so don't hold me to the fire. And this is the first time I've ever shared it in public to you people, to a lot of people. And so, uh, you know, be gracious. But I think it's perfect timing because on Monday is the college football national championship football game. And it has to do with a little bit with sports because I think that the Sunday morning service, and a possible analogy for what it could represent and what it could serve, is halftime. This time that we gather together on Sundays, it's almost like halftime in a game. It's important. It's built into the rhythm of the games. You have to have it. But halftime is a time for the team to gather together. They've been playing the game the first half. They gather together. And... They're in this room together, playing in different positions, and they tend to their wounds. They encourage each other. They, uh, they rest. At this time in the game, you kind of know what the uh, opponent's strategy is. And so you begin to re-strategize, and you begin to rethink, well, how can we do this, and how can we do that? And then you have, you have an encouraging word from the coach to get you fired up. And then you go out and you play the game. That this time on Sundays, this, it could be halftime for us Christians. It's a time for us to gather. 
It's a time for us to tend to our wounds and to re-strategize after we've seen the, the strategy of the opponent. But then, when we say the closing prayer, we leave, and it's time for us to go out and play the game, which is life. The game of life with this new vigor, with this new energy, with this new excitement. This could be our halftime. You know, this is a time where, where there's, even in halftime, there's ritual and, and there's tradition that, that, that filters in to help people connect with what is the game plan and the goal. But have you ever heard of an athlete who signs up for halftime? Nobody. Who ever heard of someone buying season tickets to the Cowboys so they could watch the halftime? No, it's not the point. The point is the game. And I think this is what we need to remember in our church, is that in 2020, even moving forward, that this time is so important. It's a gathering for us to, to assemble together, to, to encourage each other, to connect with God in ways during the space that we can't do out there, but we can in here as a community, to read the scriptures, to take communion together so that we can live a transformed life out in our neighborhoods, in our workplace. Each week we offer an invitation. And at this time, the invitation is for you to play the game of life. We've had our halftime here. We've read scriptures. We've sang songs. We've allowed God to pierce our hearts. But let's not forget that something happened 2,000 years ago. There was a man named Jesus who died, but he rose again on the third day. And because of this Jesus, because of the empty tomb, there is hope. There is eternal life, and this allows us to connect to this story so that we can be light and salt in the earth 24 hours, seven days a week. We're going to invite the praise team up here. The elders will be on the side. But if you need any prayers at all, if you have any questions about baptism, why don't you come while together we stand and sing.